You're listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon Podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Irwin. And once again, I'm back talking about an album. This week, I'm talking about the album Duke from 1980 by Genesis, a band I knew almost nothing about uh, really before coming into this week. But uh, patron Joe, who's joining me today, to discuss it in detail. It's one of his favorite albums, favorite bands. Uh, he named his dog after the album. And uh, he just, he gets me into it. He kind of takes me along the ride of, uh, of Phil Collins and company. Uh, so not much more to say about that. Let's just, uh, let's get into it. Here we go. All right, Joe, just how big of a Genesis fan are you? I am actually a huge Genesis fan. I found out recently, I did a little video uh, before this uh, in excitement for this recording today. Um, And I just showed all my Genesis albums, which is when I realized I owned all but three. And like one of them is technically on vinyl. And one of them is technically came out in the 90s. So it'd be hard to find. (laughs) But yeah, big Genesis Mm. fan. (laughs) <laughs> and moments ago you sent me this beautiful illustration through instagram of the the duke album cover mm-hmm. and was that something you totally drew up yourself yeah um just now so yeah when when uh when we made the decision to to review duke um i i got excited i listened to it of course you know i mean i've listened to it a, a ton of times before um, but that's actually something i usually do anyway in my classrooms i draw something up so i wanted to do this I, I mean, I feel like it's probably a pretty recognizable album cover um, on the board, and a few of my students actually did recognize it too. So that's kind of cool. Very distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the name of the like the the French illustrator that they took the design from? Basically, I forget off the top of my head. I remember. I remember it was from like an alphabet book. Um, and honestly, yeah. if I if I if I even if I did know the name, I feel like I would not pronounce it right <laughs> be able to say it but uh i thought it was interesting that it was from like this children's alphabet book um i think they took out the you know the the captions or whatever of course but I, yeah it's kind of become taken on a life of its own um at this point it's like existing as its own inspiration and character and now people associate like that character as being the duke himself um which she's not, right? It's no. totally unrelated to the, uh, the theme yeah. of the album. And then it gets into this weird area where, like, I know at one point, I think he has the name Albert officially. Um, hmm. And Phil Collins would tell this small story about Albert before he would do the Duke suite, um, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute. The Behind the Lines, Duchess, mm-hmm. Guided Vocal, Turn It On Again, Duke's Travels, Duke's End. Um all about Albert and it was this kind of satirical comedic story um and then at the end he said uh uh well but this these songs have nothing to do with Albert I was just kind of wasting your time and now let's go on to the to this these songs from our new album <laughs> so. so so Phil Collins he seems like he's got a pretty good uh sense of humor sense of self-awareness humor about himself a little bit yeah I don't know it just uh he seems like a likable guy yeah definitely um Man, I feel like Phil, 
he is such a great frontman, which I always found fascinating with him being originally the drummer. Like I feel like if if it was any right. if it was any member of a band that I would maybe tied with keyboardist, but then I'm kind of biased because I love Elton so much. I'm like, of course a keyboardist could be a frontman, but a drummer seems like right, the right. most unassuming person. But he brings all this personality, both like uh, visually in terms of like his performing, but also just in his vocals. Um, and I didn't know this until recently while doing a little bit more digging for the, uh, for this review, but I know he, he started off and did a little bit of acting and a little bit of theater too. Um, he was a child actor and then kind of got back into it at some point in the eighties, some movie that I'm not remembering the title of, but it's a, you know, it's a part of what he does. Yeah. And I think that definitely shows through in his emoting and his, um, and his stage presence. Now, this guy's a performer. He has a flair for the uh, dramatic. Mm-hmm. Just judging by the way these these songs sound. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. The uh, all right. So we're getting into it. I knew basically nothing about Genesis before you were sharing that you were a huge fan of them and that uh, you really like them. You wanted to talk about the album Duke in particular. I think you were saying that's your favorite of the the Genesis albums. Yep. I even named my dog after the album. <laughs> Oh, Little Duke. Well, Duke is a lovely name for a doggy. Yeah. And I knew the song In the Air Tonight. I'm a fan of that song. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a great classic of the 80s and such a sense of tension and release in that song. Like that that drum fill is, should just go in the Library of Congress or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most effective musical moments ever. Yeah. But Phil Collins also just in my whatever circles growing up. I mean, he's kind of uh, he can be like a punchline sometimes. Like his music in American Psycho, and I don't know he's just got this maybe this reputation as just this super overblown like uh, pop guy, mm-hmm. just that you can't escape on the radio. Um, but then Genesis, and they have a bajillion albums, and Peter Gabriel was involved, and they're very very progressive and virtuoso and are they like yes like i didn't really you know they're mentioned in the same breath as yes and king crimson all the time but i'm like what i just i couldn't really make heads or tails of it and i don't yeah i don't i don't have a a particular reason why i never made the effort to check them out before and i i don't know quite where i stand with them still but i i I enjoyed a lot of moments of this album so I'm, i'm glad that you uh you introduced me to it um what what is Duke's uh, status among like Genesis fans in general? It's, it seems to be an interesting turning point for the band in some ways. Yeah, Duke I think was a very big turning point. So chronologically, I don't know if you knew this. Speaking of in the air tonight, um, that apparently was almost going to be on this album. Um, and wow, that would have changed the course of history. Right? So <laughs> I feel like this album would have been twice as big with that song. Right. So to put it a little bit into historical context, both for the band and for the members, uh, at this point in time, each member, each of the main members at this point, three, of course, they narrowed it down from five. Peter left, Steve Hackett left, and then there were three. Um, also an album called and then there were three. But anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe the sound this big is three people. Right. Well, it's it, it, there's a it's actually a testament to just how talented all their all the musicians are because Mike Rutherford doing all the guitar work on the album um, and, and the bass and too. The bass, I, yeah. I imagine um, his fantastic 
double headed uh, bass uh, guitar with a 12 string guitar on top and a think a four string six string bass on bottom uh, which he would play in concert so we could switch between the two parts along with the other guitars that they had lined up insane um, Tony Banks taking over all these kinds of keyboards and his entire like you know one of the virtuosos of prog rock on the on the keyboards um, but yeah coming out from this this trio but Anyway, about this time, they were kind of on a bit of a break, a, kind of a self-imposed one for a minute. This is about uh, Phil's um, marriage was on the rocks, so he took a little bit of time, uh, I believe, in Vancouver to settle that. During that time, Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks both did solo albums. Um, and then Phil, when he came back, um, unfortunately, it didn't really work itself out with the marriage. Um, but when he came back... Uh, they were kind of finishing up their solo work. So then Phil started in on his work on Face Value, uh, which is one that had In the Air tonight. Right. So he would then kind of starting to work on his own stuff lyrically, writing his own solo stuff and his own music. And about the time when they were ready, he had this, these music in his back pocket. So he pitched a few different songs. One of them was In the Air tonight, which apparently Tony Banks uh, refuses that he heard because he said if he did hear, he would have wanted it on the album. But Phil says he did definitely pitch it to him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like interesting. What the real story is there. And I feel like a few of the songs, I know Misunderstanding, which you said you had heard before, um, was one like of the that songs song, yeah. that Phil brought to the recording sessions, which just the themes and a lot of those themes like Misunderstanding, guided vocal they're all kind of these somber sad which can you can relate to phil's uh divorce situation i feel like i got that a little bit from duchess too mm -hmm. yeah so uh at this point in time they were just coming back from that hiatus and one of the things that they also mentioned because of that uh they said that they worked together a lot better because they had gotten some of their own solo stuff out of the way so they were all in a place where they both had gotten that out of their systems and they had more like they had less things to contribute. So they were more open to like collaborating with everyone else. Um, and that kind of did make a turning point. This was their first number one in the UK, which is kind of surprising because this is their 10th album. <laughs> I was going to say it's yeah, it, they were on a, a really breakneck pace up until they took that break, like album after mm -hmm. album each year, pretty much. And a lot of their, most notable work in that period, mm -hmm. Land Lies Down on Broadway. I know that that's supposed to be a big one, a big one of theirs. That is a huge one. Yeah. And I think they only, I think actually Duke only made it to 11 in the U.S. charts. But even then, that was a victory because they haven't really gotten that close to it before. Um, hmm. a, a lot of Genesis fans do like this, to the best of my knowledge. I think people latch on to the next one a little bit more, Abacab. Um, hmm. but I mean, this was, I think a lot a, a definitely a big turning point, which I mean, is coming in the later half of their career. Um, I know I have a quote here because they also had mentioned that this was the first time a few, like, uh, I know Tony Banks said, and Phil Collins collaborated that, uh, this is the first time that it felt like Phil came into his own as a vocalist, um, mm. like really got into Some great it performances and, on here. Yeah. Um, and they kind of contribute that to the idea that he had like started writing more, um, before now, a lot of the writing was up to Rutherford and Banks. Um, and even though they did say that this album was still majority, you know, Rutherford and Banks, that 
it was more equal in this point. Well, so you kind of tumultuous, interesting history. Kind of reminded me of Pink Floyd a little bit, the history of this band, because you have these eras. Mm -hmm. And Peter Gabriel had a huge influence and really set the direction of the band, from what I can tell, in in the years he was active with them. Mm -hmm. The front man, the lead singer. And then they were able to keep on going after he left, I guess, due to the strength of the ensemble. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all, all these members, like you said, they were all able to do solo projects too. You, you have a very powerful, dynamic group of people. It's, it, we're, we don't have a the Doors situation <laughs> yes. here necessarily. No, no disrespect to uh, to those members, but anyway, you, you uh, it's it's interesting. It's it's evolving, and it's like, where is the kind of direction of this group going to go? They're prog, but they're not like. Sci- they don't give me like the sci-fi vibes or the like Eastern mysticism vibes of say like yes like they're they want to showcase their like virtuosic abilities but they're also kind of grounded like a lot of the 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 themes and stories is, I mean especially on this an album like this Duke like I can follow it it's it's more like grounded it's not this really elevated language or something mm-hmm. so it's in this really kind of interesting space within Prague they have an album called and then there were three they're calling out like this meta commentary on what's happening to the band and how they're they're kind of coping with that I guess and it seems like that album was pretty well received like they're you know they're mm-hmm. they're very self-effacing like okay what what are we doing here where where's our music going to go and then you they have this break I th- I I I always have this theory that like a long break pretty much always benefits a group yeah where they can step back and live different parts of their lives for a while and refresh and and with phil collins like you're saying he's coming into his own more i don't know I, you know i'm this is all speculation i'm reading into his relationship and his wife being like you can't be on tour this much i you know you need to be here with the family and he's like this is the job i'm in this band like we're on the cusp of something here like you can't come on work with me <laughs> i i what am i supposed to do and he tried his best and he's making this move over to vancouver to try to cater to the situation that i think was going to be doomed ultimately and so he kind of he goes through that experience and the breakup is final and i feel like that's a perfect catalyst for someone in his situation to just rededicate themselves to the band because okay i couldn't make this work i have the band i have this music um this is still something i'm so passionate about i have all this like freed up time to write these songs i'm in this like kind of delicate emotional space and that's probably great fuel for i mean for songs like misunderstanding they're they're addressing this um this like marital or relationship difficulty like i i feel like all the i can see why this album has something special it's like all the the pieces in the background were fitting into place for them to just you know like really give it their all Mm. like they some of the choices they're making you know, you could argue they're very like radio friendly or, you know, depending on your taste, they're a little bit, uh, I like the word gaudy. They're a little gaudy maybe, but this is, I really hear that the band, especially in this album, like they're making the music they want to make and they're, they're all in. So I really appreciated that aspect of, of listening to it. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're taking a big swing. Definitely. And I mean, they hit it out of the park, you know? (laughs) Um, I actually found the quote from Collins about it. So uh, and it goes along with the idea that, you know, he, for for better or worse, they had that catalyst where they had that time away and now he spends more time working because he has these emotions that he can get out. 
in the in the songwriting process. So he said, I think by this point I had done all my demos for face value. Uh, I've been through the process of a writer and I'd written all the face value stuff by the time I've written uh, stuff for Duke. So I changed. I'd become a songwriter and I'd become more of a singer as I was singing songs that I was written and emoting. So yes, it's probably true yeah. that Duke is the first album where I felt more comfortable as a singer. So Yeah, I mean, he as a singer, songwriter, performer, I mean, the, the 80s is where it all really started happening for him, both with the band and, and solo career. Mm-hmm. So this is he's on this exciting cusp of, of all this new material. And yeah, I like him as a vocalist. He's really, it's a unique tone that he has in his voice. It's, it's very kind of unassuming. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a little hard to make out the words he says sometimes. It's, there's some sort of, if I were to like, uh, synesthesia style, like describe, uh, ascribe a color to his voice. It's like brown, but like a nice mahogany brown. Yeah, like a nice, <laughs> a nice earth tone. It's not sharp. Yeah. Yeah. I know when, uh, what's interesting, someone once, uh, I was looking at some people like just talking about his vocal style, and people said that he kind of sings the way he drums in a very precise kind of a way, too. Like he's very yes. on point with like keeping it in line and hitting all the beats um yeah but a lot of power there yeah no for sure um speaking of drums too about now is the first time that they started messing around with drum machines um oh uh, yeah the the intro to duchess mm-hmm. got the yamaha going to work yeah i like those little textures i i this is a era of popular music history that's always interesting to me how how the use of uh, drum machines and certain synthesizers like that, how that creeps in in different ways for different bands. And mm-hmm. Some bands do better with it than others. They're definitely a, a better example of it. Yeah. Like, I think, uh, I actually think Duchess is my favorite song from the album. Um, and that. It's very heroic. It's so good. Um, and that, that drum machine definitely sets the pace and drives it forward. Um, like, it's a really good lead up. And then to interlude that with the, not like the, I don't know if I want to call it analog drumming or whatever, when it climaxes yeah, into yeah. the vocals. Um, no, I love it. So One of the few moments, uh, again, I, I could be more familiar with this album. I didn't get to listen to it as, as much as I maybe would have liked. That seems to be a now recurring <laughs> theme of doing this podcast because I'm doing a new episode every week. But there's not a lot of moments in this album of like rest or like quieter dynamics. And that the the beginning part of duchess is like one of those much appreciated like build-up moments rather than like a lot of you know people some people call this album bombastic and i definitely see that yeah it's it's a drummer's album in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of great drum riffs within it um and yeah there's definitely a lot of punch to a lot of the songs a lot of interesting musical choices too i took a minute and maybe it's just to my untrained ear but just I tried to listen to all the complexities that were going on and turn it on again. Um, mm, because I know, first of all, it's in 13-8 time, which is kind of wild for like a pop song because that's like one of the popular ones from the album. And it's definitely not um, typical. It's not easy to play. Yeah. Uh, and they, I saw in an interview, um, Phil said that like the simple bass line disguises it as a simple song, but it's a complex song. Uh, and then everyone else basically said what I said in terms of 
like oh well, we were kind of surprised that like it uh like it got popular because it's a deceptively hard song um mm. so i kept trying to and the more i dug into it it was very interesting with all the phrasing and all the like the timing and everything so i think they take a lot of risks in that bombastic uh sound that they have in it I mean, I, maybe one of the things that subconsciously could have kept me away from Genesis before is there's such a stadium band. Like a lot of this music, I don't know how it is on all their other albums, but with this album, it's like so much of this is feels like tailor-made to come across really well in a stadium of 10,000 people, 20,000 people. Like it's such a big, like Napoleon conquered the world sort of like, you know even just behind the lines that's an immediate announcement of like sonic power and it's i'm not always i i like a lot of more understated stuff sometimes and i'm not a huge listener of like stadium music mm-hmm. uh, maybe this connects to your point it's deceptively simple a lot of these songs it's 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 not a lot of noodling they're in this interesting place between their earlier more exper- experimental just firmly 70s prog kind of sound and then this 80s power pop thing is coming in and this album is like somewhere in the middle of, the, of that in an interesting way. Yeah. Like the hooks are there and they're hooks and there's room for repetition and some kind of more like minimal music ideas but then there's still, you know, even just the drum the drum line on a song like Behind the Lines is, it's very easy to listen to. It's not like distracting but it's also like if you try to play that as a drummer there's probably some insane stuff going on with that. Mm-hmm. So I could I can appreciate they're walking that line in an interesting way for this album. What's interesting too, um, so when I first got into Genesis, I very much dove into Gabriel era Genesis because I was very into yeah. the um, the showmanship because that was deep into my like glam rock period when I was into like Bowie's flashiness and Elton's flashiness and all the stage show. Yeah, but, it's more theatrical. Yeah, exactly, um, and. And my and my like younger self got into the the group of thinking where it was like, oh man, Phil Collins made them like he sold out the band because now they're playing these hits. Um, but what's very interesting is it goes both ways. The more I got into Genesis, how um, I think every single album has at least one or two songs that are more like drawn out and proggy on them in Phil's era, quote unquote. So like stuff like. Yeah. Like if you take the entire Duke suite, like that's which apparently they toyed around with having it for a while be one whole outside of the album. Um so apparently mm. originally they were going to have Behind the Lines Duchess guided vocal um turn it on again Duke's uh, Travels and Duke's End be running into each that other. That could have worked. Yeah, and be the beast. That could have it would have been a different album, but I could see that working musically. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how they played it live um they played those in uh but they didn't want uh they didn't want to have too many connections to songs like supper's ready from early genesis where it was a whole entire side of the album being into the song right Um, right but it also works the other way so i know you're not as familiar with genesis but uh some of the earlier albums like nursery crime like i think that's their third album Mm. fourth album um had songs like harold the barrel on it which was like a two or like a three minute what could be a popular song and also songs like I know what I okay. like in your wardrobe from uh selling England by the pound. So like in Phil's era, 
they did still do some ones that are more like proggy and long and like uh like gabriel era stuff quote unquote and in gabriel's era stuff they also still tried to do poppy songs uh every now and again in my opinion um and hey what did peter gabriel go on to do so you know maybe all these (laughs) people collectively just had changing palettes anyway to blame it on one guy i think they they moved with the trends yeah, I think he gets a lot of undue flack for it. And they also had a they had a quote at some point. I forget who said it. I think it was Phil where he was like, "We've always tried to make like radio hits. I guess we just got better at it over time." Which This really they strike me as a band where the balance was really there. Like I think they were all really good at collaborating with each other mm-hmm. and giving space to everybody's different ideas. I don't I don't see a situation where Phil was dominating everything. I don't think that was something he was interested in. No, not at all. And do also even have reports at this time that um that that was kind of like a mantra that they would come into recording sessions. Let's see. Uh so this I forget the article that I got this from, but it says at some point in the 80s, Collins and his bandmate um bandmates established a rule that no individual members would enter the studio with pre-written musical ideas. In other words, anything and everything on the Genesis album had to be created within the presence of the entire group. This way, no single yeah. this way, no single person could be credited or blamed for the music that emerged. It's a very smart idea mm-hmm. for a band in their position. Now, that wasn't the case with the album before, right? Like they had a lot more mm-hmm. cases of members kind of constructing these ideas by themselves and then trying to shoehorn it into the the band context later or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say this was probably the first time that they actually had that full in effect, which also kind of lent itself, like I said earlier, to the to the fact that a lot of them had gotten their own stuff out of their ways with their own solo albums. So now they didn't have right. as much like, you know, uh, Tony Banks had had his own solo album, so he's not coming in with the solo albums worth of stuff to pitch as a band. Yeah. Same thing with Rutherford and Collins had... I mean, he wasn't as contributive before, but now he can be because he's coming into his own as a songwriter. So now they all do have these ideas that they could workshop together. I think they each contributed or pitched two songs for the album and then everything else was, and they all worked on them together, but then the other ones were all just collaboratively thought, so. See, now we're really getting into music nerd territory here, but I wish the Beatles had done something like that. Like take 69, (laughs) 70, maybe 71 off, do all your... Your Ringo, your Imagine, your McCartney, mm-hmm. all things must pass to get it out there. And then, you know, uh, it was never to be. But uh, yeah, that, I think something like that for musicians so prolific like these guys in Genesis, that was that was always going to be a, a helpful thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a fan of all those solo albums, solo albums as well? Are you uh, are, they, are they like pretty similar to this? genesis's style or um i would say so like like you kind of mentioned earlier which i didn't even think about uh i have i think all if not most of gabriel's solo albums um because when because like i said when i got into genesis i got into gabriel so then i followed gabriel's solo yeah, career right that phase first um yeah and then i got into phil's and i really liked phil's stuff i mean they they're all they're both indicative of a lot of what they did in the band gabriel ended up getting more art rocky and then ended up being a lot more like i don't want to say world music but he brought in a lot of different sounds and experimental stuff and phil kind of leaned more into pop but not in a bad way like you said like a lot of his drum fills like in the air tonight is a masterpiece um 
I can uh, imagine getting sick of Susudio back in the day. That's fair. But <laughs> I'll blame that on his management for playing it so much uh, on the radio. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't heard any of Banks' solo stuff, but I know I, I am kind of a fan of the bits that I heard of Mike and the Mechanics. Um, hmm. Oh, Mike Rutherford is uh, the Mike and Me- the Mechanic Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like Living Years and stuff. Uh, those good stuff. And apparently, and I only found this out while doing research for this, apparently Steve Hackett has like 20-something studio albums in a solo career. Like I, because I looked up his his discography because I was just light, like uh, lightly looking into it, and there's this album after album after album. I'm like, geez, I didn't realize he did so much uh, stuff on his own time. Um, yeah, these these are all very. They're this might seem silly to say, but they're very musical musicians. Yeah, like they're not thinking about the image. Doesn't strike me that they're getting into substance abuse that much. Like they're all just they want to play. They'll play in the studio. They'll play live. But they they want to play. They want to write and play, and they all, yeah, they're they could have all gone to Berkeley or something. Yeah, what's very interesting, and I kind of started thinking about this when I just saw how all their individual careers more or less pretty much went went well. It's almost like they were, and just with their own musical talents, so much like they were a super band that just kind of started as a band and then realized that they could have all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get super band energy from them for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, so okay, we're we're talking Duke specifically, and this is you named your dog after this album. Yes. When when you think of like the sweetest moments or the things you love you love most about this album, what, what are your uh, your go tos usually? Um, honestly, Duchess. I mean, there's just a lot of emotion and a lot of um, I, I like I immediately wanted to say texture. Like you could feel that song, um, and I know it's yeah. like an interlude. Like it leads. Like I probably couldn't listen to i mean i do sometimes but you kind of need to listen to behind the lines before for the exit into duchess and then duchess leads so beautifully into guided vocal or guide vocal but um duchess is a big one misunderstanding is always of course great um just that heavier yeah, you're talking the ones with the, the strong melodies yeah that heavier doo-wop just, they hit the sweet spot mm-hmm. um have you seen the misunderstanding music video i have where Phil's just hopping in a bunch of cars driving around. Full bearded Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah. He looks best with a beard. I'm going to make that clear. He does look good <laughs> with a beard. Um, which is another thing. I, I showed a, a, a band fit picture to a friend once and they couldn't spot Phil because he wasn't bald. <laughs> mm. He's already balding by this time. Yeah. I mean, he did wear cool hats, so probably. How many other rock stars because he's a rock star how many other rock stars balded gracefully like he did right mm-hmm. uh, uh but yeah i mean i think the i think the entire duke suite always stands out to me outside of that man of our times always does just i think the driving sound behind i like that times. one yeah um yeah yeah the duke suite at the end duke's travels and duke's end i feel like that's where they gave themselves permission to be the most like all right, let's get back to the prog thing. Mm-hmm. Like, full force, let's have these long instrumental moments and all the, okay, the time for the keyboard to do this crazy thing. And um, That's, I feel like with that kind of approach, I, uh, it's, it, this, that's where the album kind of runs up this, runs up against this interesting thing where they are only three people. So as, as big and bombastic as they can get, there's more of a limited 
sonic palette with that. And then the production is very 80s mm-hmm. and very 80s reverb choices and all that. And I, one thing that kind of stuck out to me was with the Duke suite at the end, I was like, oh, I guess I enjoyed this kind of prog extended instrumental jam thing more. You know, this is just personal taste. I, I like it more when it's the, like the 70s production and a little more different instruments at work. That's where I can like, huh, like if, if this is like the production place we're in, I, I want to hear more of the power pop. Mm-hmm. That's where my brain went. But but you, for you, it kind of it hits a different place. Yeah, I mean, there's very few misses. I think if there's any song that kind of misses on it for me, it might be Heat Haze. But like, I think mm. I, I love each song on the album in a specific way. That's interesting, and I I think the uh, oh sorry to interrupt the I'm with you on Heat Haze a little bit that that was okay, but I, I feel like uh, the Banks contributions compared to all the other members maybe that's like the 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 part that's to, like the cul-de-sac I feel like is maybe the lower point on the album yeah and I, I know that's one that Phil Collins said he had trouble singing with more. Uh, sincerity or whatever like it didn't connect mm-hmm. with him as much and i know banks himself said too that he kind of wishes that he kept that on uh for one of his solo stuff for solo yeah mm-hmm. what's uh interesting and i couldn't find it confirmed anywhere i found this online as like i don't know if it was a theory or amusing but the idea that the album is a mirror to itself i wanted to throw this by you and hmm. see if i could i could blow your mind with a minute for with it for a minute so um, All right, lay it on so me. So each uh, each song is related to the opposite one on the other track end. The most obvious one being "Behind the Lines" and "Duke's End," which both start with that opening. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, yeah, I like that little reprise. Yeah, yeah so that's the that clearest one. Let's go to the next song then. So then it's "Duchess" and "Duke's Travels," which are the same vocals, like the same lyrics. It's like you know, because uh, nobody. Oh, same lyrics. Okay, yeah, the same lyrics. Um, delivered differently, of course, but it's the same lyrics on each side. Guided vocal and Please Don't Ask are both the sad, like, Phil Collins divorce songs, right, for lack of a better phrasing? Yeah, Um, yeah. Man of Our Times and Cul-de-Sac both kind of have those kind of harder driving, uh, like, uh, like, it's it's a harder one. And then there's Misunderstanding and Alone Tonight, which are also, again, like, reflections. Yeah, I like that. Those both felt like uh, spiritual siblings a little bit, Mm -hmm. yeah. The only one I couldn't get fully behind was Heat Haze and Turn It On Again, but if that's, like, the the transition in between, I think think those line up pretty well. I I would say so, for certainly more than most albums would. Is this like a fan theory or is this something that one of the members of the band ha- put out I there? wasn't able to find any confirmation on it from the band themselves. So I, I saw it in research mm. beforehand. So it could be, it could very well be a uh, Dark Side of the Moon lines up with Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I, I was going to say that's the exact uh, analogy I had in my head. Yeah. But it's, it's uh, I've not heard of, I've not thought of it before then, and it made me listen to it in an interesting way, especially because of, I'm 95% sure I don't have the vinyl on me, but the front cover is, of course, Albert, quote unquote, standing in front of the, in front of the window. And the back album cover, I'm pretty sure, is like his silhouette in front. So it's like a mirror of that, but then oh, he's cut out. Okay. Um, so I'm like, huh, this is an interesting theory. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I, li- I always like that where you can do that with an album. Yeah. Start looking, you know, and you don't feel like a total nut for finding these little intricacies and connections. That, yeah. Yeah. You know, they they obviously, they put a lot of thought into that kind of thing. But the, the album packaging, bands like Genesis and Pink Floyd and Yes, it's, 
one thing I can always appreciate is it's like, I don't know, call it opulence or excess, but it's just such a package between the visuals and the music. Mm-hmm. And just, this sounds like a very expensive album, like the drum sound on Misunderstanding and how clear it cuts through. I'm like, this is just the best you can get drums to sound in a professional studio in, in 1980. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know, I can almost just appreciate that for its own sake of just like, the the best the best uh, music money can buy kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure. Now these these guys obviously worked very comfortably. They after this they had like their own custom studio for a while or something. I believe so, and which is definitely. I, well, I mean, again, that this one was kind of um, their bigger. I don't want to say launching pad, but I mean, first time hitting number one in the UK, number eleven in the US. It was definitely yeah. bigger. Um, cause I remember this one was dreamt up and written from Phil's bedroom. <laughs> so his <laughs> master bedroom, cause they had them over and they moved everything from there, uh, where apparently his second bedroom was where he did stuff for face value. So definitely an upgrade after that. <laughs> one bedroom for each musical project yeah. I have going on. Imagine. <laughs> uh, do you want to, uh, do you want to do the uh, three words to summarize the album? Oh, wow. We're already hitting up. Man, I talking about this album is a lot of fun. The time got away from me. Yeah. Um, do you, I feel like you got your, your words raring to go here. What do you got? Okay. Um, well, I'll toss out this. I'll give you four because I can't think about Duke and not say dog because of my dog, which also roughly yeah, pinpoints okay. when I got into it because he's 13 years old now, little old man. But um, I'll say, I'll say emotion theater just because of the entire duke suite yeah um and i'll say i was gonna say drumming but i'll say percussion just because of all the different textures that they they have in drumming it is definitely a very drummer friendly album Mm -hmm. i was gonna say drums uh i'm still gonna say drums technically different than percussion but (laughs) drums drive this album like it's you have very few examples of a drummer leading a full band and, you know, a drummer singing and, and being like a major creative force and it shows in this band, especially at this period. And it's kind of cool. I don't come across that a lot. So I'm going to say drums. I'm going to say bombastic because this is a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just keeps, just keeps hitting. Uh, you know, I was maybe going to say stadium, but per our other parts of this uh, conversation, I'm going to say duality. I feel there like that's go. a real that's a good theme going on here. Okay. Uh, and I, I can dig it. I, I, Duchess, I, I really like the melody on Duchess. That's uh, just a big wave of, of uh, sonic power. Yeah. So I, I, can, I, I like this one. I, I think, uh, I don't know, they got so many albums. I don't know how soon I'll like digging all of, all of Genesis. That's but uh, I, I definitely enjoyed a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Is is there self-titled the the 1983 one? I know that's one of like their biggest. Yeah. Is, is that a good one? That is a good one. That's one where you'll get a, a few more. I always call that one a very deep album. Like it's a lot of deep sounding and heavy drums and heavy keyboard sounds. And you've got songs like Mama and Home by the Sea, which like when I hear it, I just imagine there's like deep digging tones um but i dig it that's good they always they always call abacab their next one like their punkish album because it's kind of more rocky 
Um, so, mm. I mean, I think each one, to their credit, too, has like this different kind of a flavor and texture to it um, while still being uniquely Genesis. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you wanted to go further, self-titled, sometimes called by the fans Shapes because it's all those stars and everything on top of it. It's a good one to go right, to. Right, right. Yeah. And then, uh, like I said, I heard a little bit of The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. That gave me more of that, you know, that 70s feel, the, the yes feel. So I could mm-hmm. see digging back into that at some point. All right. Well, Joe, I know, I know going into this, you, you said you had three pages of notes. I, I hope this uh, show did you well with, with getting everything out and because mm-hmm. uh, I, I appreciate your, your expertise. Absolutely. This is a lot of fun. I was super excited to talk about it. Thank you. All right. That'll do it. I know it's a little, little bit shorter than usual. We had a uh, some time constrictions we were running up against, but I think we got it. Uh, what else is, is going on? I've been in a big songwriting zone recently, so I've been maybe kind of quiet as far as uh, doing stuff online and all that, but the Patreon is still going strong. There's still a lot coming out on there. If you want to check out Niagara Moon Music on Patreon, uh, what are we going to talk about next week? We are going to talk about the Harry Nilsson album, Pussycats. So you don't want to miss that. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.